If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and uh, pull those out, have your access. So we'll be in Mark chapter 12 today, verse 28 through 31. And uh, we're beginning a new series today called Blended. So we're coming out of basically five months of trying to understand and get our minds wrapped around this idea that as we live out this Christian life, certain things pop up in our life. When we talk about pleasure, peace, meaning, and hope. When we did a series on each one of those, basically I started in January and we finished in May, so our whole first half of our year has been dealt with that. But now we're walking into, okay, so like, does that just happen here on Sunday mornings? Or does that just happen when I'm reading my Bible at home? Does it just happen in certain parts of my life. Is that the way God designed me? It's like there's the spiritual part of me, like the, the Christian part, but then there's the me at work, there's the me at home, there's the me with this person, there's the me with that person, and it's all kinds of different things, and we kind of live this compartmentalized life. But the truth is this, our faith is not just something that we're supposed to focus on a few days a week a month, a few hours a day, or a few minutes in the morning. It's something that should permeate every area of our life. And that's what this term that we're calling this series blended means. It actually blends into every aspect of who we are. It becomes indistinguishable wherever we're at. When, when YouTube first came out, I don't know if any of you are like old YouTube watchers, but there was a series called Will It Blend? And if you ever saw it, this guy, this weird professor-looking guy, go home and watch it. Like, I'm not making this up. Like, he is just a weird, creepy dude. And he's like, will it blend? And they take, like, it started with, like, they would take a Happy Meal. And they would put all the ingredients of a Happy Meal and turn this blender on and, and like, yes, it blends. They do iPhones, iPads. They've done cars, parts of cars. It's just insane. Golf balls, my favorite one is the glow sticks. They do these glow sticks and put them in there, turn the lights off, and they blend. They just blend together. And it becomes this indistinguishable mess of stuff. And the same thing when we think about our lives. When God puts truth in our lives, it gets in, and it should blend all up inside of us. It should come into this parts of our life that, that we didn't even know kind of existed, and all of a sudden we become this new thing. This is why 2 Corinthians 5 says that you and I have become new creations. Christianity is not a new label that we wear. It's not an add-on or addition to our life. It's not just part of who I am. It is actually something that is infused in every part of who you are. And so what we're going to do over the next five weeks is focus on how to allow our faith to blend in to our lives. And we're going to do this by following some specific pathways that are set out in Scripture. And the pathways we're going to look at are, are first talked about way back in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, when, when the law is being given, it says, this is the greatest commandment. And then you look in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke and Jesus is recorded, has this interaction with people, and they ask him, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And he immediately goes back to this command, this way of living. So look at Mark 12, 28 through 31. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screens, and it says this. One of the scribes came up and heard them uh, disputing with one another, and seeing that he, talking about Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which command is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is this. And he's basically quoting Deuteronomy 6 here. He says this. Hear, O Israel, 
the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command than these. The greatest command, the idea when Jesus said, what is the secret to the Christian life? Blending in all of who you are, he said, this is it. Love the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love those around you. Those five things. This is the recipe for the blended life. It's just uh, Jesus is saying here that we are to follow him means that your faith won't just impact part of your life. It won't just impact your mind the way you think. It won't just impact what you do, your body. It won't just impact how you feel, your heart, or what you're passionate about, your soul, or even how you treat other people. It will do all of those things. It will become the defining part of your life by which all of these things are expressed. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to take a look at how to paint this beautiful faith portrait in our lives of demonstrating this kind of blended soul, this blended life. And we're going to start today by looking at what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your soul. Now, even though that's not the first one in the scripture, it says, love the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I chose to begin with soul because I believe it's the birthplace of every other thing that we do. Now, when we hear the word soul today, most of us probably don't have the same meaning or understanding that the people of that day would have carried with this. So what, what is soul? Because the truth is everybody has soul, and that's true even if you don't have rhythm or you can't sing the blues. We have a, we have a different kind of soul. If it's up to me to have rhythm, to have soul, I am out of luck. That is not uh, me. And so uh, we have a soul, though. And here's what soul means. That, actual, that word here means breath or vitality of life. It is this idea that each of us have been given a life and a vitality of life that came from God. When Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your soul, he is saying love God from the very core of what gives you life, from the very core of who you are. And so today, for a few minutes, I want us to go back uh, to the beginning, to Genesis 1, and look at this idea of how you and I were created. The way this series is going to flow is I'm going to teach each week for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then I'm going to end our time with interviewing a group of people that are actually trying to live out an aspect of what we're talking about. And so I'm going to teach for about the next 10 minutes, and then we're going to interview people that are trying to live out this idea of, of what it means to have a soul connected to God, rooted in our lives. And so I want you to see, read Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 27 with me. It'll be on the screen if you want to get to your Bible. It says this. Just, just to give you an idea before I read it, help you understand, God had at this point created the environment for life, the environment for life. If you look at the Genesis story, Genesis 1 through 25, Jesus is creating this environment for life to exist. He separates the heavens from the earth. He creates animals. He creates vegetation. He creates uh, sun and the moon and the stars. He creates this environment for life. But he had not yet created something that had a direct link to him. And this is what he does in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the heaven and of the livestock, and of all over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. 
in the image of God, he created them, male and female. I want you to hear something this morning. You, I, and God all have something in common, and it's the connection we have through our soul. Our soul. God created us in his image. And that image isn't something we see in the mirror. It's not about how we look or how we view ourselves, but it is about what we see in our soul and how we connect with our soul. Our soul is our connection to our creator. God literally breathed life into man and woman and to each one of us that are here today. Life does not just happen because of some biological facts. Life happens because God brings a spark of life into each one of us and creates a soul that is connected with him. It is the very essence of who we are. Each one of us is a unique person that is reflective of his image and his character. If you look around this room, we're each unique people touched by the hand of God with the spark of life to give us a soul that longs to connect with him. So we were created to be like God. I have two cousins. They're identical twins. If they were standing here before you today, you probably, it would take you a long time to figure out which one was Hannah and which one was Madeline. It literally took me about 12 years of being around them to like get it right. And I, I had like Madeline or Hannah had a mole right here. And I can remember Madeline doesn't have the mole. It's the only way I could like when I was around them, who, which was, especially when they were, were the hair the same as they got older, they started wearing their hair differently. And so I could start to see things, but even as identically looking as they are, they are unique creations of God. They are different people. Just because they look alike on the outside, they still have a unique soul that each of them is designed to connect with God and to connect with his heart and his soul. So what does it mean to connect with the heart and soul of God? It means to become what God is, to, to begin to identify with what God is, to be in the image of God is to begin to reflect him. And what is God at his very core? God is two things. God is a creator and God's a lover. God is a creator and a lover. And he has called us to do those same things. Being created in his image means that you and I in our soul are designed to flourish when you create and when you love. God designed each of us to create and love. I want you to hear something here today. Every person sitting in this room is creative. You're an artist. You are created by God to be creative. To be creative within your passions, your diet desires, your hopes, and your dreams. There is not a specific segment of our population that are artists and creatives. There are people who work in the arts and people who create works of art, but each of us are designed in our souls to create something, to be creative. Some of the most creative people I know work the most boring jobs I've ever seen. I have a friend named Brian who works at a church who handles all the church IT. Like he has this little cave of an office that they keep him in in the back and he handles all the phones. And I go in every time I visit him, like I can hardly see him behind his desk. He's just got stuff everywhere. And he, he works 60 hours just making sure that the wires of the church work. But all around his office are these paintings that he's done himself. That when he leaves what he does, he finds a way to create. My granddad, I called him Papa. He worked at, a airport, at building airplanes. He worked for Lockheed. He worked on an assembly line doing a rivet gun. I mean, talk about not very creative. Like, here's the one thing you get to do for the next 40 years. Pew, pew. 
over and over and over again. But when he would leave his job and he would come home, he had this shed in his backyard. And they would go buy old furniture, antique furniture that was beat up, torn down, had 20 coats of paint on it. And he would use his hands and his skills to refinish that piece of furniture into a beautiful antique. This man that if you probably saw him on that, on that factory floor, you would think there's nothing creative about him. But if you saw what he did with his hands, you'd be amazed. I have all these people in my life that it's not about the, your job. It's not about what you do in the, maybe the eight hours a day. It's about the fact that God has given us a call, each of us, to be creative. This is why we find hobbies and outlets to express our true creative nature. And if we don't, it feels like part of us, maybe the main part of us, is dead or dying. And this is important to understand because if we don't, we tend to fall in one of two traps. The first trap is this, is we think that we aren't creative. And when we do this, we tend to make our relationship with God simply mechanical with no aesthetic value. It's just about doing things. It becomes a transaction, an obligation, and not a passion. It's just something we do. Okay, I read my Bible in the morning. I pray. I go to church. I do this. I wear this label as a Christian. We fall in this chair. I'm not a creative person. I don't know how to connect with God. When people sing and they raise their hands or they close their eyes, like I'm like, what are they doing? You know, I don't like I get this. We start to think of ourselves as non-creators, that that's not me. And we shy away from it. The other trap we fall into is this, is that we start to think, well, look, I am a creative. I'm an artist and other people aren't. And we can view ourselves as more valuable or special than other people. And we look at our creations and we actually begin to worship them instead of the one who created us. And neither of these two ways of thinking lead us, leads us to a soul that loves the Lord with all of our soul. Instead, it leads to bitterness, apathy, arrogance, jealousy, or pride, and none of which God desires for our life. So let me ask you one simple question today. How do we create? How do we create? How do we create in a way that loves God with all of our soul? I love that God just doesn't in these first in these verses that we looked at in Genesis say, I created you in my image, but he uses the very next verse to say, now here's how you live it out. From the very soul of being created in the image of God, here's how you now go and create and love as well. Look at Genesis 1, 28, and it says this. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds and the, of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. There are five key words that are in this passage that create a pathway for you and I to begin to understand what it means to create and love. It says that they are blessed, that we should be fruitful, we should multiply, we should, should subdue and have dominion. I want to hit the truths of those very quickly. I want you to hear, first of all, this. Everybody in here, you have been blessed. Blessed. That word blessed and when you look at the original Hebrew words, it actually means that, that knelt down, to, to kneel down and touch. And I want you to see what it means is this. Is God literally from heaven, with each of his creations, knelt down and touched you with a special blessing. He, when he created you, he created you with something unique. This is not a cookie-cutter cookie job of creation. He touched your life. He shaped you uniquely. He touched your life with a unique spark of creation that you get to go out and live out of. You're unique. You are blessed. But then it says you are to be fruitful. We often hear this like in regards like brief, brief fruitful and multiplies about having lots of children, right? 
That's not all that this verse is about. It's certainly one way that we create, but the word fruitful here means to create. It is the ability to produce something. I want you to hear this morning. You are designed to create. You are designed not to exist, not to just be, but you are designed to create. If you aren't creating, you aren't really living. God designed you to be fruitful, to create something. And then it says to multiply. Again, this isn't just about talking about having 20 kids. It's as though it's, it's a way that he's saying, look, as you create and multiply, here's what multiply means. It means something that is ever increasing, something without limit or capacity. And what he's saying in this is, look, as you create, the creative nature in you will never run out. You're never going to run out of it. There's always something new to step into, always something new to experience. You're never going to use it up one day. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. The longer we create, the more creative we become. Some of the best ideas in our world, they don't come from the inexperiences of youth. They come from the depth of wisdom of age and experience. The more you create, the more you step into the image of God, the more you understand who God is. As you start to create and live life and multiply and be fruitful, you understand the character and nature of God in a whole new way. Then these last two words, he says that you and I are to subdue. You have the authority to subdue. Now, this word subdue, we often think about conquering something or ruling over something. But the word subdue here actually means to use with a purpose and a design. To actually take what God has created, this environment that we get to live in, and use it to create in. The way I love to hear it described is this. God has given us this world. God has given us our emotions. God has given us our passions. God has given us other people to be the paint and canvas on which we create, create the masterpiece of our life. A few weeks ago, I was introduced to a, a short story by J.R. Tolkien called Leaf by Niggle. I don't know if any of you have ever read this book. It's not a very big book. It's actually, the actual story is about half of this. When I saw a painting about it, and then I got this book and I read this book last week, and it is about this. It is about learning to subdue and use all of creation, all that God has given you to create your masterpiece. And this is about a man's struggle between thinking that he's trying to be creative and just trying to live life, and I'm not going to ruin for you, but at the end, understands that those actually come together. If you're a Tolkien fan, I would encourage you, Amazon, I think it's $4.99, uh, to get that. But it was a, it's a book that really helped me understand this concept. To sub, subdue something means that you actually care for it more than you control it. It's not that I look at somebody and go, I get to use you. I look at a resource and say, that's mine, is that when I subdue it, I actually begin to care for it more than I want to control it. I begin to value it and protect it instead of disregarding it. I start to think of this isn't something I get to use up and throw away like a piece of trash, but it's something I get to nourish and develop in such a way that it becomes my canvas for life. And then the last thing it says is that you and I have the authority, you and I are called to exercise dominion. Again, dominion and control is not a dominion. It's not about control and abuse. It's actually the word is talking about directing or controlling, a directing control. The best visual I can think of it is steering. Dominion is actually steering and directing something. And what I love about this picture is this. God says, look, I created this for you. 
And then I created you. I touched you. I blessed you. Given you what you need. I've challenged you to be fruitful and multiply. And he basically says, I am putting you at the steering wheel of my creation. What an incredible thought. Is that God shaped you and I. And he formed you and I to create. And he said, creation is yours. You have dominion over it. Steer it. But as you do, use it to paint a beautiful picture of who I am and what I've done for you. When we put these five things together, you get this amazing picture of how we can love God with all our souls. Loving him with our souls isn't this passive, pensive, reflective spirit that simply stops and ponders the mystery of God and the universe. Loving God with our soul is activating this amazing blessing that God has touched us with and that he has placed on our life and using the amazing palette of his creation to create ever-increasing pictures of what it means to love God and love others. You are an artist. You are a creative. You get to take what God has made and multiply it and share it with others. What are you creating in your life now? Because this sermon today is not about picking up a new hobby. We're not going to offer painting classes this afternoon or artist classes. I I don't know what God's calling you to create. Maybe he's calling you to create an environment of joy and hope in your work. Maybe it's simply that. Maybe it's an environment of nurturing in your home that you're waiting for it to happen. He's saying, no, you're at the steering wheel. Create it. This is you. Maybe it is an expression of art that will capture a thought in a visual form that people will be inspired by. I don't know what it is, but I do know that God has called us to create. So stop just existing and start creating. Today I want to interview a group of people that creatively seems to come natural to them. Very easy to them. People that approach life uh, with a creative mindset, but are also people of faith. And I want us to try to learn from them how they blend faith and creativity and how we can learn from them. So I'm going to invite Kayla, Leah Beth, and uh, Brian to come up if you guys will grab the stools over there. Uh, they are part of a group called The Hang here in New York City. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Katie and I went to a cabaret that they put on. And their goal is basically to express their creative natures together, but from a beginning point of faith and knowing that they are first and foremost created by God as creative. So will you guys welcome them this morning? So Kayla, maybe just in a couple of, you know, sentences, what is the hang? So, yeah. Good. There we go. I can just project. It's fine. (laughs) Um, So the hang is a ministry that's about eight months old now, I guess. And our mission statement is, I know that's crazy, right? Our mission statement is to support and encourage believing artists in the city socially, professionally, and spiritually. Awesome. So they get together, rehearse, just hang out. That's probably what's called the hang, right? So um, let's talk a little bit. Why do you find it important to, to do a group like the hang that interweaves faith and the arts? Yeah, I, I think it's important to find groups like The Hang that interweave faith in kind of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, for us specifically, we're, we're artists, we're uh, performers, we are painters, we're directors, we're choreographers, we're whatever. And that is our lost people group. Um, we're kind of all encouraged in the word to kind of find the group. I know Peter was specifically given to the Jews and Paul specifically directed toward the Gentiles because that was a group they really related to. And I think that's really important to find the lost people group that the Lord has given you and us a direct heart for and focus on that. And uh, so for us, it's artists. Yeah. So how have you experienced, and whoever wants to answer this one, 
uh, maybe how that's happened, that yeah. you've seen God open a door or create an opportunity, a platform through interweaving faith and your passion. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy how the Lord brings people who really are hungry for this um, and need it. So basically, um, our ministry is split up into three separate parts, um, spiritually, professionally, and socially. Um, I get to run the social branch, so um, it's, I'm basically the fun one. <laughs> um, but um, my job is really cool because I get to, whenever somebody connects with us on Instagram or Facebook or even in person, um, I'm the first one who gets to talk to that person. We get to go to coffee. We get to hang out. I get to know them. And uh, we get to deliver access to them. That's our main goal is to be like, okay, are you plugged into a church? Do you have people pouring into you um, professionally and spiritually? And how can we help you do that? Um, and it's crazy to see these people come in, and I've had conversation after conversation with somebody with tears running down their face and being like, I have waited so long for something like this to happen, or I'm lost and I don't know what to do, or um, you guys are an answer to prayer. I've heard that over and over and over again. Um, and just seeing how when they get plugged in, they just completely explode and flourish is incredible. So talk a little bit maybe about how you integrate faith into this. Like when we were at the cabaret the other day, you know, it wasn't like all gospel songs. It was this beautiful mixture of creative nature of a theme around this incredible aspect of God. So how do you interweave those things in such a way that it communicates the message but in the right context. So it's, it's really cool. So we use our professional, we do professional workshops, uh, free or very cheap, by, by Broadway stars, honestly, um, to people that are in our community. We've had a workshop with Quentin Earl Darrington, who's starring in Once on this Island. Laura Osnes, who's amazing, has come, and she actually sang at the cabaret with us. So to take for that example, our show was called Hope in the City. And uh, we took songs that we have all personally experienced where we have tried to find and place our hope in the past. Um, LB sang a song called Watch What Happens from Newsies, which demonstrated someone trying to put their hope in their job, in their career. Um, we did other songs about relationships or, and just all sorts of things. And then we had what we lovingly in the church called the Jesus moment. Um, <laughs> when we just, we, we flipped it and we, we tried to explain to our audience in an artistic way that all of these things are futile. They're amazing and they can give you momentary happiness, but where you can find everlasting and true hope is actually in, in Jesus Christ. And we kind of did that by um, my husband, Jordan, uh, saying, I can only imagine, um, which became this really cool moment. And it was amazing. So um, I don't know if you know her. Natalie Weiss came to the show, which was not the least bit terrifying. Um, and she's an amazing vocalist. And I talked to her afterwards, and she was like, I don't know what happened to me. <laughs> I just, like, found my hands over my head very often, and I'm not quite sure how they got there. <laughs> Um, and so those types of moments yeah. give us the opportunity to, after they come to a professional event, to be like, hey, let me talk to you about what happened um, and see if we can't turn those moments yeah. into kingdom moments. Yeah. So whoever wants to tackle this one, um, you know, you guys are trying to get involved in an industry that is not necessarily conducive to people of faith yeah. and oftentimes pushes back on that. So. How do you deal with that struggle? Because it's, it's certainly not unique to this profession. And as we, you know, people who try to create in different environments, whether it's business, politics, or whatever, we're going to hit those things. So how do, you, how do you deal with that struggle of trying to maintain, you know, balance of who you are, but influence in that area yeah. as well? 
Yeah, um, for me, I don't, I don't feel like it's like a really spiritual strategy, but it's just show up and be good and do your job and don't um, be the easiest person to work with in the room and be the most professional person to work with in the room and, um, and just don't suck. <laughs> really like put your time and effort into your craft and, and know how to do it well and hopefully that um, creates a platform for you just by being excellent at your work like I think yeah. the scripture says whatever you're going to do do it to the glory of God so I, for me that's that's been the the thing that has really sparked conversations for me is just like hey you're good or you don't seem to get irritated with people the way that other people in this industry do or um, I, I did a I've been working doing an after-school program with some kids on the Upper West Side. And um, at one point, the owner of that, um, there's several piano players who work there uh, do music directing. And at one point, they, they took two classes away from me. Uh, and the guy who was like, they told me to take your classes. What happened? And I was like, nothing happened. Like, you, they, they asked you to do them, and that's totally fine. And, like, I will get other work other ways. Like, I didn't get irritated with him. He's like, why are you not mad that you lost <laughs> Uh, that you lost money. And I was like, because it didn't matter. And then the next week, somebody called me and was like, actually, I need you to do something every week at this time. And it was the exact times that they had taken away from Mm -hmm. me. So it was like stuff just balances out. But just the testimony of like showing up, not complaining. When when the boss says, hey, I'm going to change some stuff up, not to be like, why are you taking opportunities away from me? Frustrated with that. And just knowing that like God has control over everything, can give you opportunities through miraculous means and that's happened many times in my time in the city so i just feel like it's showing up doing your job not complaining and and that gives a testimony to you i love that testimony of consistency and faithfulness um with that um so we talked a lot about this morning you know you you guys are creatives you're artists you know uh but the idea that we're all that so what would you say to somebody here that's hey you know i don't feel creative i don't feel like i'm an artist I so loved what you said, and I, I testified to this. There's a difference between creativity and artistry. Um, they're different things. One can relate to the other. You can be an artist as a creative, but you don't necessarily have to be involved in the artistic elements of creativity to be a creative. Um, the Lord created us, and we are created in his image. We are created by a creator in his image. We are creative. You just may not know it yet. Um, but there is something in you that's creative. Some of the most creative people I know like, are like entrepreneurs, um, these business-minded people that I do not understand. Um, but it's problem-solving, and it's thinking outside of yourself and finding new ways to do things that haven't been thought of before, and it's incredible. Um, those are creatives. My mom is one of the most creative people that I know, and it's because I can put her in a room with, like, 12 preschoolers, and she doesn't kill any of them <laughs> um, because she finds ways to to entertain them, to, to breathe life into them. That's a creative element. Um, and the Lord, like you said, he demanded, he, he commanded us to be creative, sing unto the Lord a new song, and that is artistry. But it's something that's in us, and it's in each and every one of us. So if you don't find yourself, like, just living your fullest life because you don't go to Broadway all the time, that's fine. Um, But you are a creative, and celebrate that creativity that the Lord gave you because it shows an element of who God was. The first, some would argue the second characteristic of God shown in Scripture is, in the beginning, his immutability, his eternality, um, created. He's a creator. Um, and so it, it's just really important to, to own that part of you because that part of you is coming from our holy God. 
So how can we as a church, as a people, how can we support the hang? No, I love that question. <laughs> um, we kind of have like four, four ways right now that we would love to partner with anybody who, who really feels a heart for this ministry. Uh, the first is if you know of any artists that are here that don't have a community, um, first off, invite them to church because that's great. Uh, secondly, if they want to get involved with a group of Christian believers, we would love to connect with them. You can find us on Facebook uh, through our page. They can also request to be a part of our private group at The Hang. Uh, they can follow us on Instagram at The Hang NYC, or they can just email us at thehangnyc at gmail.com. Um, we would love to get to know them. We would love to love on them because one of two things typically happens when a new artist comes to the city uh, that's a believer, typically. They either don't book as quickly as they thought. They get super discouraged. They lose all of their community that they left behind, and so they leave. They leave. Artists that love Jesus, that could have influence in the community, they leave simply because they haven't had the support and community that they need. The second thing that happens is maybe they do book. And in order to get that community that they so long for and that they've left, they hang out with people that don't make them into the most Christ-like people in the world. And then their viewpoints change, their worldview changes, and then we lose an incredible missionary in the artistic industry. So if you know of any artists that have moved to the city that have left everybody that they love and that support them, send them to us. Let us love on them, please. Um, and then the second way is we are, my husband and I in this ministry is now officially supported by NAM. We're full-time missionaries in the city to uh, the artistic community. So if you would like to become a partner with us, we would love to be able to have the opportunity to talk with you about what that means. You can come and talk to us afterwards. We can get your email, phone number. We'll set up a coffee date and tell you everything we do and give you the spiel. Um, love to do that. Uh, the third way is become an ambassador for us. Basically, like, sport our gear, and when people talk to you, send them to us, um, which is this, actually. Uh, we just, we, you can buy a t-shirt and walk it around Manhattan. It has our, our bullet points, social, professional, and spiritual on the back. And when people ask you, Hey, what is this? Cause it happens. Um, you can then send them to us. It's an awesome uh, conversation starter. Cause those happen on the subway all the time. Um, and then the fourth way we need prayer warriors, like legit. We need prayer warriors. We're going to be starting a, um, a prayer chain that we're going to be sending out emails from, and we need people covering us in prayer. It is an industry covered in spiritual warfare. It is an industry where we are told to get into other people's heads that sometimes are a little spiritually dangerous to get into. And we need to be covered in prayer for wisdom and for peace and for divine appointments. So, again, if you'd come down and talk to us, give us your email. We'd love it and would be so honored if you would join our prayer team. Thank you, guys, for being here. Hey, we are... Uh I've asked Kayla and Brian to kind of close our service with a, a song that I heard Kayla do at the cabaret uh, the other day that I think encapsulates a lot of what we've been teaching today. So I want to pray for the hang and pray for uh, this ministry and pray for them and pray for us. And then I uh, will close with this song.